All right, everyone, Joel Edwards here again, and we have another episode. Um, this episode means a lot to me. I, when moving to DC was really tough because most of the people that I interviewed, I met through um, mutual friends or contacts. When I got to DC, there were still people from Boston that I wanted to interview and meet up with in Baltimore that I had met randomly. But the well was kind of dry. So I got a Notion account. And because of COVID, actually, and a lot of initiatives that came after, unfortunately, George Floyd was murdered, uh, Notion had an offer where they were trying to help people, black folks. I don't know if it was minorities or anything like that, but black folks specifically, you could apply for credits there and use notion to uh to, to just get credits to use notion download templates and things like that for free so i took advantage of that and i use it to manage projects um not only notion but zencaster was allowing people to record for free during COVID. so even though things got stagnant on my end i just started planning especially since the job that I just stopped working at, but I was working at at the time, was really stressful working 12 hour days at the startup and really trying to figure out what I was trying to do with my life. So long story short, I used Notion and the internet to prospect for new guests. I would go on Instagram, go on Google, just record hashtags that were popular, write them down create a strategy in my head of how I'm going to find people and then use multiple hashtags on IG. And I would use Instagram on the actual, on my laptop, which is weird. And I would search for people state by state by state using specific hashtags in major cities. So everywhere from Boston, Mass, to New York, New York, to Denver, Colorado, the capitals went everywhere following 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 anyone who had hashtags like entrepreneurship small business moonlight not a lot of moonlighting hashtags out there which is good for me i guess but mostly small business related hashtags and i would follow people and one individual i followed by the name of nate who i interviewed for blue this company you're about to hear about blue collar blades when i followed him he reached out and said this is a cool concept and we just started talking and that's how this interview came so I felt good because this is, you know, someone who lives nowhere near me. I'm in Washington, D.C. This individual is in Utah. And uh, we just met from just scouring the Internet for people to interview with. So this one's special to me because, I mean, I'm not, it wasn't the craziest thing I've ever done in my life or the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I felt like I earned it. And I just genuinely enjoyed meeting this individual. And there's going to be more of that because after meeting Nate, this is what I plan on doing. I plan on finding people from wherever to hear their story and tell it because it's not only do I think it's good content, but it's helpful for me as well to know that there are people out there who feel the same way that I do and who really care about their passion. So this interview, you're going to hear about blades, knife making, family, metalwork, all of that. 
wins, progress, all of it. And it's me. This is the last of the closet series. So that after this, I, I chilled out for a while because like I literally was cramming myself into a tiny ass closet uh, to record and get the best sound quality, which I'll probably end up doing again unless I get the money to build my own studio. Wink, wink. But for now, just enjoy this. This was longer than I expected for an introduction, but I don't know. I've had a couple beers and, you know, this episode just means a lot to me. So I hope you enjoy it again. Welcome to the Moonlighters Club. And I hope you have a good time. back with another episode of the Moonlighters Club podcast. I'm your host, Joel. Uh, got a good guest. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about this guest. I, uh, uh, Nate, I don't think you know this, but um, the majority of the people that I interviewed for this podcast were word of mouth. Uh, I started in Boston, so I was just people at work, literally randomly meeting people at like breweries and stuff like that. Um, and I recently moved to D.C. about a year ago. And I decided to just scour uh, the country. Like I've been doing, I think I've done 50 plus interviews so far. But for the first time, I hit up Instagram and just hashtag searched anything related to entrepreneurship, moonlighting, things like that. State by state by state by state by state. And I so, so far, I think I've only gotten like five done so far. Um, I just It's just so crazy how big this country is. Um, it, but that is how I came across your page, which we'll talk about and your craft. So I want to welcome you to the show, Nate. Uh, did you, is Nate fine? Did, can I call you that? Is that cool? Yeah. Awesome. Nate's great. Yeah, please. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate, uh, I, I think this is going to be an awesome interview to do. First things first, where are you from? Yeah. So originally born and raised in Northern California and been living for, oh my gosh, probably better part of half my life now out here in Provo, Utah. So you literally found me on the other side of the country. Nice. How'd you get the Provo? Um, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I was on vacation at one point, met a really good looking girl at a grocery store in a checkout line. Uh, next thing you know, uh, we're married and living in Utah. There, there was, you know, a dating, you know, phase and all yeah, that. Yeah. There. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I ended up moving to Utah, living on her best friend's couch for a while. He was an awesome dude. St- uh, still keeping in touch with him. Nice. And, uh, yeah, been out here, you know, have, have a house, have, you know, kids and, you know, a nine to five career. Um, just like most of your listeners, I'm I'm assuming, right. Yeah. Including myself. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So, um, during all that, uh, tried and done a few different things, you know, uh, what I do right now and, and what we'll talk about a little bit for my, my current craft, uh, it wasn't the first thing I stumbled on, right? I, I've tried a couple different things. I tried silk screening shirts for a while out of our house, um, learned all about the success and failures with that. It, it turned into left the artistry, right? It was no longer about the designs. It was more about the volume and manufacturing. And I do that for a living yeah. and I love doing it for a living, but I didn't want to feel like I was just 
you know, punching out a one clock metaphorically and then punching into another clock there. I needed a little bit more. Okay. So yeah, let's start there. When, uh, growing up, let's say when you get around college age, did you have any idea what you would be doing for the rest of your life? Did you have some, your heart set on anything as far as a trade or a job or a career? Yeah. So actually prior to meeting my wife, I thought I was going to be working on cars and eventually, uh, one of my best friends, I was, my dream was to buy his shop out from him, his business and carry on his legacy. Uh, when he went to retirement age, he's, you know, 10 plus years older than me. And I, I just loved working on cars growing up. I actually dropped out of college the first time because I just thought the shop was where I was, where it was going to be. Yeah. Ah, okay. What caused the, the detour? Um, for dropping out or going back but the, in? Uh, the, the, uh, I shouldn't say the detour, but did you ever get to, how long did you get to focus on working on cars? Did you, when you went to life school, did you get to do it for a while? Yeah. So I, I got to work on it for a few years out of, out of high school. And then during my first, say two years of college, um, at, when I was just going to junior college, um, in the Bay area, you know, I was playing water polo at the time, um, and loving it. But when I was no longer eligible for water polo, I was making pretty decent money at that time for that age, working on cars. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm set. I, <laughs> I don't need this. That's, that's a waste of time, money and energy. Uh, fast forward. Then I've since gone to college two more times. Uh, did it the expensive way the first time because my wife and I were in a pinch. We had a family uh, sooner than we planned. Um, so I went to ITT Tech, which is no longer around. Uh, got an associate's in computer science, uh, engineering technology. Um, that was great. It helped catapult my career. Um, took me from an operator at that time. I had a uh, stepped down making less money. So I was framing homes in Utah to take less money to become an operator on a manufacturing line um, because I wanted the experience and I really wanted to get into the medical device industry. So the education gave me the opportunity to become a technician at a different medical device uh, company where I was actually getting to service equipment, do preventative maintenance, which was right in kind of my wheelhouse from working on cars, right? Right, yeah. Um, Documentation's very similar because you want to be able to, you know, tell if it was an automotive industry, you got to be able to tell the story so the customer understands all the work that was done. Well, the same thing in the med device industry, but kind of on steroids, you know, it's the FDA or whoever's going to regulate and check on all these maintenance records whenever they run an audit, got to make sure everything's documented. Uh, You can't just do something and not say it was done. Um, or if you don't do something and you find out, you got to be honest and say, Hey, this wasn't done. This is what we're going to do to fix it. So I did that for a while, saw that I could only get so far with just an associate's degree. So decided to go back to school and go to a traditional four-year university. So I went to Utah Valley university in Orm, uh, Utah nice. and got my undergrad in business management and really, really enjoyed that process. Um, so I was working full time and going to school at night. Um, during that process, uh, my wife was able to become a stay at home mom and continue to raise our family. And so I was just basically working two jobs and she's trying to be the glue to hold us all together. You know, you're out there hustling. Okay. And I, I respect that. I, I'm similar to you. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like the first school I went to, Luckily, it was community college. I just flunked out. I just couldn't. I didn't know what I cared about. I was just taking classes because people told me I could be good at X or Y. And Mm -hmm. I kept going back and forth. And then finally, late 20s, I'm like, okay, 
I, I, I think I'm going to do this. And that's when I focus on business. Um, and, th- and I'm, it's weird, but I, I think I got more out of it cause I finished older because I did everything. Like I was, you know, before you in the school, you, you meet people and you go to class, whatever, but older, I'm like, Oh, let me talk to the professor about this. Let me do this. Let me take advantage of whatever opportunity they're willing to give me. Uh, and I, I just enjoyed the whole thinking process, being around uh, like individuals, having complex conversations, things like that. So I can, I can really appreciate that. And it was, it was, I think everyone just does it at their own speed. And I loved it. I loved going to school, being the older guy. It was cool. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. There's, I'll be honest, there's a couple of times where I was like, oh man, if I was, you know, had a little more bandwidth where I didn't need to work. You know, I, I wasn't willing to take on, you know, additional loans to, to stop working, but man, I was like, Oh, there's so much more I can do. Yeah. Um, and then talking about like-minded individuals, I remember towards some of my last years, um, in my undergrad, we were getting tours of local manufacturing facilities. Um, and I love lean and lean manufacturing. Um, and I'd see the students, we'd all walk through and most of them would carry on, but I'd stay with the professor and maybe like, you know, uh, you know, an associate or a junior manager or middle management. And just not that I'm hounding them for a job. Cause I was, I was actually happy where I was at at the time. Yeah. It was like, how are you doing this? This culture is amazing. And trying to, you know, suck in and absorb as much knowledge as I could. Um, not only has that helped me in my nine to five career, but that's also helped me improve efficiencies in the evenings, you know? Yeah. So, so it sounds like it's interesting. It seems like you, it, it, like, I, it seems like your mind likes to focus on that assembly, like seeing, hearing you talk about working on cars, taking these classes, like how, basically how things go from nothing to something, which I, it was just pretty interesting to me. Like I take a lot of that stuff for granted. Like I always get these end products and I'm like, how this gets my house? (laughs) Like, like what, how this even, how are these things made? You know? And I think just the, there's so much into that. Like, efficiency, uh, like how one mistake or one calculation can change the bottom line for a company, like drastically, all that is interesting to me. Yeah. So definitely when you are done with school, did you keep the, you hit, you already working? Did you stay at the same place and in the same industry or did you pivot a bit when you got out of undergrad? Yeah, no, great question. So no, I stayed in industry. Um, the company I was at, um, it's phenomenal there. They actually, I interviewed and went through the process, right. But I was able to be promoted to a supervision, uh, point where I had, I can't remember the number it was say 20 plus, maybe 30, um, hourly people reporting to me, leads, operators, technicians, um, at, well, like one person I was training to become a technician, mm-hmm. um, not sustaining, but, uh, they gave me that opportunity with the caveat, Hey, we need you to graduate by such and such date. And they weren't doing it to, to like be manipulative. Like you're like, Oh, you know, that that's really wrong. No, they did it out of love because they saw the value in that degree and they didn't want me to start experiencing a new salary, uh, a new lifestyle, and then just kind of wash that away. Kind of like I did the first time around when I was working on cars and I became very content because I was, very, very happy in that role. Yeah. Um, so they did it out of a place of tough love. And my senior year, I was working a lot of extra hours because the work needed it. Yeah. And I took 15 credit hours 
got lean black belt certified externally and ran a full marathon. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> and, and I did that because everyone kept telling me, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do yeah. it. And I, you know, I, I don't flip people off, but I, in my mind, I'm going to give them the burden and say, no, I can do what I want to do. If I want to focus on it, I'm, that's where I'm going to put my energy and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And if it's an area where I don't want to focus on and spend my energy, it's going to be an area where I don't focus and spend my energy. So I wanted to go out big my senior year and felt like I did it. Yeah, you did it. That's, that's pretty huge. That's nice. That's cool. So, okay, cool. You get out senior year, you're going to go. Have you always been, because it sounds like when you were talking about buying out a, a car shop, like the idea of entrepreneurship is not foreign to you. Um, do you always see yourself as having hobbies on the side or, or, or owning some for yourself, um, even when you're going through this process of, uh, you know, certifications and graduation? Yeah. So I've always been drawn to whether it's a side hustle that just stays a side hustle or it turns into more. Uh, I've just always been drawn to that. Um, I'm not the type of person that likes to go home every night and just sit on the sofa and watch TV. Now there's nights where I'll, you know, I love to go home like Friday nights right now. Yeah. Um, we have a Disney show, uh, Falcon and oh, uh, winter soldier, winter nice. soldier. Yeah. Yeah. So my wife and two oldest will, will sit down every Friday night right now and watch that. But outside of these kind of like planned things, that's not where I like to just spend my time to forget about life. I, I like to use my hands and use my mind and keep trying to move myself and my family forward, right? Leave a legacy. Okay, cool. So, yeah, let's let's get into, uh, uh, first of all, the name of your business. I love it. Uh, let's just jump right into it. What is the name of it? What is it? Yeah. So the name is Blue Collar Blades. The whole premise is, you know, built by the working class for the working class. How did you get to blades? You're, you're not, you know, you're, you're accustomed to working with your hands. What, where the big idea come from? Yeah. Well, so I had a, I've always, well, prior to the starting the, down the knife road, I've always had a project car that I, I've been working on, um, a lot of Hondas and a lot of Volkswagens. Okay. So I had this 83 Volkswagen rabbit and it was dang near ready. Like it had really nice Porsche seats in it, all these things, but there's times where, whether it was that car or the one previous, there's times where I'd be out there spending time, money and energy working on these things and coming inside and not feeling fulfilled and feeling like I'm taking away, you know, financial resources and my time from the family and not showing enough from it. Mm -hmm. So I, with hesitation, it was my decision. I wasn't, you know, my wife's amazing. Um, she didn't force me anyway, um, but had a conversation and uh, decided to put it up for sale. Um, so we sold the rabbit and I was left at that point, like turning my thumbs in the evening, like, okay, I don't want to start whittling. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. my, my grandpa, he, he used to whittle at one point and he made some amazing little figurines and stuff, but that's not where I like, that doesn't pique my interest. Yeah. Um, so what can I do? So I turned to YouTube. Um, this was pre, if you've ever heard of a show called Forged and Fire, this was well before, you know, at least, you know, I want to say two years prior to this show. Um, 
And during this time of research and looking at what DIYers are doing and stuff, I saw a video uh, on YouTube of a gentleman who had no experience working with his hands, really. Um, he was an author by trade, and he needed a, a creative outlet. And then basically used some type of floor belt sander, a small one, and clamped it to a shoddy workbench and made a shoddy knife, and it worked. And then has since scaled that into it's his full-time gig uh. and he, he makes some amazing knives. Uh, it's all around kitchen cutlery actually, uh, for the most part for that guy that I, I believe. And I was like, okay, as a punk kid, I was cutting cars. Like we had a customer bring in a, a, a totaled Impala SS and bought another Impala SS. And we were pulling all the custom parts off of the direct one to put on the stock one. And then when we took the car to the recycler, I cut it in half with a torch right at 18 years old. So if I can cut a car in half and not die, like, <laughs> or get hurt, I think I got a leg up on this guy. Not that it's a competition, me versus right. him. Right. But it's like a leg up on my skill set. I think I'm a little bit further along and I think I, I can learn a little bit, maybe faster, maybe not so many mistakes in the very beginning. And, you know, I, declared to my wife, Hey, we're, I'm going to make uh, six kitchen knives for, for Christmas next year. And, uh, to give his, his Christmas gifts to family members. Mm -hmm. And that six, I think quickly turned into like, we'll say three or four. I can't remember the exact number, but there was some yield issues, the time in the, the hands, like I was spending 20, 20 plus hours to make one knife and they still weren't coming out nearly as nice as they are today. Right. Um, but that was my learning curve. And I had to stay diligent in continuing to learn the process. Now I know my equipment at that time was subpar, but it was enough to at least I could make a shiny object that had a, a you know, sharp edge on it. Ah, okay. So, uh, it probably takes, you know, probably this makes perfect at one point. Uh, how long into the process of making knives did you realize, okay, this is something I can do. It was probably, a year and a half into, into my experience on Instagram. So I created an Instagram page with the business background and named what I was doing. I hadn't heard of anyone else using that name for, for kitchen knives or anything like that, or, you know, knives at all. And I was like, this fits me in my background. And I had a, a random person that this was the first person who wasn't a family or a friend come to me and say, Hey, you know, could you make me a knife? And I was like, Oh, whoa, this just got real. This is my <laughs> yeah, <friend>. right. <laughs> so I my my intent was and I felt like I did it. I underpromised and overdelivered. So um both on time and, and the cost. Um and then I solicited for feedback. So I was, hey, be brutally honest with me. And they were like, when they got the knife the knife met all their expectations, but they're like, Hey, here's some issues with your packaging. Um, from our end, this is what we experienced because it was during the winter when they received it. So the box was a little soggy. Is there anything I can do to help, you know, prevent that in the future? You know, are there things I could do internally to the box to try and help? So I, I've done a, a few different things. And I'm constantly trying to learn and develop in that area, but it was amazing. The type of feedback you get from someone who hasn't ever bought or invested into your company or what you're doing mm -hmm. versus someone who has the, the level of feedback that I get from someone who's, you know, whether it's spent $5 on a sticker or hundreds of dollars on a knife, 
it it's just so empowering so so useful nice awesome congratulations first of all that's that's uh, i like seeing those things come to fruition um it just seems so much faster on the outside looking in. You know, I see someone with a business and I'm like, oh, okay. They probably practice this two or three times. Boom. They got back out there. They're selling knives. Uh, but there's a lot more trial and error, you know, just figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And then, of course, talking to the people you're going to sell it to is all you'll find out if they're working or not. Um, yeah. Awesome. So now that once you, you know, you, you made a couple for folks, how are you, how are you rationing your, uh, your time with your job? Yeah. So we've, I say we, cause this is a team effort. You know, if this was just me, I'd probably end up single, you know, living out of a shipping container somewhere. Right. So this for, for me to make this work, it has to be a team effort and, you know, it's the wife and I together, but then, you know, the family has to support it as well. And they have to understand where I'm spending some of my time. And at times I'm asking them for help. Um, so we've tried a few different things along the way. The thing that it works the best is actually penciling in the physical time on the calendar. So, um, I asked for, and you know, I was brainstorming with my wife and asked, Hey, can we have this giant calendar on the, on the fridge? She's like, we got our phones. We have all these calendars everywhere. I was like, yeah, but all of us use the fridge. Not all the kids are old enough to have technology yet, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we had a spot where we could have the high level things. And then now what we do is we pencil in, you know, Sharpie in the days daddy's in the shop. And so we know, you know, for dinner this night, you're going to see me at the dinner table and and that's it. Um, and we'll pencil in say two, three days a week where I'll be out in the shop working on, on kitchen cutlery. Nice. Nice. Okay. And then, so how do you make everything per order? Does it come in? Yeah. So I I'm doing a mix right now. I'm actually trying to figure out the best way to run the business. Um, cause what I've, what I've discovered is I have some customers, um, who I'm about 50, 50, who really prefer where the, they'll have my standard blades that I, that I make. And I love handling them in themes. Like I recently for a theme, uh, a lady reached out to me and asked me to make a knife that had a Montana Native American in New York City uh, punk uh, graffiti artist theme to it. And she had the name of the artist. Um, I, th I think Alex the Monopoly guy or something mm. like that was this gentleman's favorite artist. And I had to incorporate all of those into one knife. Um, she's actually the first customer I've taken on where we didn't discuss the price of the knife prior to starting because I was so jacked up whether she got the knife or not. I took this as a challenge and I was going to roll with right, it. Right, right. <laughs> so not the way to run business. But for me at that point, I was like, no, nah, this is like Mission Impossible. I got to figure it out. So um, made it and ran with it. Now I have another uh, spectrum where people enjoy the story. They love hearing that, hey, you know, I'm a guy who just converted literally a, you know, eight foot, six to eight foot workbench in a garage. And then I converted a shed into a workshop, you know, and every dollar spent here not only lets me buy new equipment, but helps goes towards student loans or growing the business into something bigger. Right. Um, but they want the knife now. They don't want to wait. Like there's a wedding coming up in a week, someone's birthday, someone's graduation. They can't wait three to six months for, for a custom handmade knife. Um, 
So I'm trying to keep a, a few knives in stock on the website. Like today I have now about six or seven knives, um, which for me is a lot. There's usually one or none. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to increase the web presence as far as inventory on hand. And then I do have two resellers now that do stock and carry my knives from when, when they're in inventory, of course. Nice. How'd you, how'd you get uh, in contact with the resellers? Well, so actually the first reseller is huge and, um, a big game in the, the knife business, not necessarily just like kitchen knives, like they're selling tactical knives and they're, they're a big, big name and their, their headquarters is here in Utah, in Utah County, actually. Nice. And they, they contacted me and I'll be honest. Cause I was only about two years into the game at this point. And I was like, well, I'm way too small of a, of a fish in this pond for them to be contacting me. This is, this has got to be a scam. Someone's going to have me ship these knives to like who knows where. And you know, I'm not, nah. so it took me a little bit. I did some, some digging to make sure it was a legit contact mm -hmm. and we set up a wholesale agreement and now the company's called blade HQ and they, you know, carry my knives. They're actually sold out right now. And I should be getting a order of about say 10 to them here within the next month, month and a half. Oh my God. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and then there's another, there's another local shop, uh, their family owned business, like, like we are right with blue collar blades and it's called timber knives and they're in Heber, Utah, and they get a, a lot of tourists and people coming in from, you know, park city skiing and, you know, summer shenanigans and all that. And I've talked to the owner now, um, and they're waiting for their first, uh, order from me. Uh, we're just trying it out this year and they're going to start stocking and carrying some of my knives. They, they have a lot of offerings. They don't have a lot of kitchen cutlery from local makers. Um, so this sent like a really good, uh, chance for us to try each other out and see how it goes. Cool. So while all this is going on, how do you, uh, not from a time perspective, but for example, me doing this podcast, there are just times where I just like can't get my mind off of it, even when I'm at work. Is it the same for you that, that when you see the momentum happening with blue collar blades, when you're you know you're you're at work, is it e easy to separate work life from blue collar blade life, uh, focusing things like that? Do you see one taking over? So during the day, it's really easy just to focus on my nine to five because it's moving so fast. Um, my job and the meetings and the decisions and the people I'm presenting to these days. Um, occasionally the one-off, like when a knife is like so close to shipping and I'm having those very constant communications with a customer, um, might take a little time, but really the, the big part for me is in at night, there'll be a, times where I'll wake up one, two in the morning and I just can't stop thinking like whether it's a new shape, new handle material, um, thinking about my process, right. Cause my background's medical device manufacturing and working on cars. So, you know, I'll start thinking about my process and how can I improve it and, and things like that. Uh, you know, improve the quality, improve the quantity, you know, increase the quantity, things like that. Um, so I've kept a notebook by my bed. Occasionally I, I just have to go downstairs and lay on the couch and make notes on my phone and hope I pass out at some point. And other times I'm just up and just keep going. Nice. That's awesome. So, wow. So it sounds like you got some stuff lined up. 
Um, do you have, do you keep milestones written down in terms of uh, numbers of knives you want to move or any big goals that you have set for yourself, say for this year? Yeah. So this year, um, so like, I, I don't, have you talked to a lot of other like makers and artisans uh, so far through the podcast? Let me think, honestly, N- artists, but no, I don't. No, one, one, uh, the one uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, own clothing line, everything from scratch. Uh, not custom made, but like every item of clothing, he did it all. Okay. And so I don't, I'm curious to see if, if him and I are alike. So a goal I've had, this is going to sound silly, but I have a lot of inventory of raw material for handle material. So when I've started buying my first bits of wood or resin for handle material, my a really good friend and neighbor of mine is like, hey, watch out, sawdust fever is a real thing. Well, lo and behold, uh, we'll call it uh, my inventory, you know, I'm air quoting right now for like, you know, my hoard <laughs> or hoarding nature is I, I, I have too much inventory, too much money wrapped up in raw materials. Mm. Uh, I need, so my goal is to cut that in half. So by be, having a partner uh, with my wife, she's able to look at things sometimes from a bigger picture. So I'm definitely aware of the books. I've gone to school for that. Um, and it, it's something I'm aware of and constantly evolving. I, I've gone as far as understanding product costs down to how many inches of packaging tape I'm using, you know, for an entire bill of materials for, for my average eight inch chef's knife, right? But what she'll do is she'll be like, hey, you know, just because we got all this coming in doesn't mean we need to keep doubling down on handle material, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, let's let's save a little bit for a rainy day or did you really need some more consumables? You know, sh- she'll uh, help me get out of the the shiny things because I'm looking at it going, man, I know my customers would love this. And actually, uh, I bought one sheet of resin. Um, it's called Damascus Dreams. So there's a titanium Damascus. So um and I've been sitting on it for a number of years now. I thought it was one year, and I I really think it's pushing four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually going to cut it up this year, and I'm going to produce three knives with it. I'm going to handle three knives. Um, it's just so beautiful. I, I I just haven't been able to bring myself to it. You're just waiting for the perfect order. I was just waiting for the perfect order, the right opportunity, the the right steel. Um, I've, I did a lot of research and I, I'm using a steel that for my predominant steel, it's called the AEBL stainless steel. Okay. And it was, uh, it was designed originally for razor blades. Um, so it's designed to hold a, a strong edge. It, it is stainless. It has a high carbon content, so it could rust a little bit, um, just like any metal can, but with proper maintenance and care, it'll last a long time. So there's a new steel that just came out this year and I'm not going to get all into all the specifics and stuff. I I think we're more about entrepreneurial stuff here not necessarily the science behind what I do. Um, But what I'm thinking is I'm going to try that, that steel out. If it goes well, I think I'm going to take some of this resin handle material and marry the two up and see how it goes. That sounds awesome. Like I, I, like I just, because that just sounds cool. Like I wish I could do stuff with it. You know what I mean? Like just hearing different types of steels. Do you, is this all blowtorch in terms of cutting things down and like framing it to the right size? Is that? Yeah, no. So what I'm doing for, for my craft is I'm actually buying precision, like purposely made, I guess is a better word, um, steel. 
So I'm buying sheets and strips of steel, and then I have my own templates I've made, and I'm tracing them all out, and I'm cutting them all out by hand right now, and you know, drilling the holes, shaping the knife, stamping my logos. That's something not a lot of people do, but I like like that maker's mark. You yeah. know, just like branding it. You know, I, like I have a leather mouse pad where someone branded it, and it's just there. Like if that if that branding wears off, you know that 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 knife, that mouse pad went through hell and back more than once. You know, if you can get rid of that brand, it's, it's lived its purpose really well. Um, means more to me than like a laser engraver and etch. Um, so yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's cool. So do you, you, saw, you told me about uh, uh, Fire and Forge, how you were just watching that. Uh, do you read, are there any books or videos or series that motivate you in terms of from a maker perspective or entrepreneurial perspective? Yeah. So, you know, from a maker perspective, I still watch Alex Steele from time to time on YouTube. Uh, amazing talent, amazing personality, uh, especially when him and Will were, were on YouTube together. Love that. I hope they do that again. But I actually find myself in a point in my life where I'm looking more to business people. So like Gary Vaynerchuk, he's very in your face. He's going to tell you how it is. Right. And black or white, this is what it is. Take it for what it is. Um, I appreciate that. And then also impact theory. I listen to that so, so much and recently found the mindset mentor and a podcast. And I've been listening to that a, a great deal. Cause I got to a point or I feel like I'm at a point where I'm still learning and I'm still growing and developing my craft, but there's this whole other like business side of being an entrepreneur, like being able to get to a point where you even have the ability to make that decision. Hey, do I want to, you know, my nine to five career has been amazing. Do I want to continue doing that? Or, or can this side hustle become something more than just a, a moonlight for me? And I think listening to more of those people and taking in more of that content, I can, you know, like Dr. Eric Thomas says, I can dominate my lane. And that's, that's what I'm doing. I feel like this is something that's going to like, usually it's the person deciding, you know, uh, I want to do this. I think this is going to be one of those situations where the business is just going to make you do it. Like if you're getting calls from resellers and you know, (laughs) I feel like you're going to get an order at some point. You're like, okay, I have to do this. Like, you know, like I just, I, I just feel that for you. Um, well, well, thanks, man. Uh, Hopefully that comes to fruition. Well, that's super cool. I, I, I enjoy that. I, I like when I like the fact that uh, how you organize your time, I think is pretty cool and that everyone's in on it. Um, but I like it. I, I like the fact that you can just make something that you really care about. Um, you know, that's one thing I'll, I'll ask, you know, um, the, the last thing I want to ask you. From a creative standpoint, how do you know when it's ready to go. Uh, like I've talked to people who maybe write music or do things related to photography, movies, again, clothing. When do you know, okay, I'm ready to, is it hard for you uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, when you're doing that quality assurance? Are you really hard on yourself? Um, or, or how do you know when you're ready to let the knife go? Is that a tough process for you or, you know? Yeah, it is. And it is for a number of reasons. So there's sometimes where a knife has just put me through, you know, heck and back, right? And it's done. It looks beautiful. I'm like, man, 
I, I have such a bond with this thing now. I, I want it to serve someone, but I kind of want it in my kitchen after the fight it put, <laughs> put me through. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I can't keep hundreds of knives. Well, I guess I could, but that, that defeats the purpose of why I'm, you know, part of the purpose of doing what I'm doing, right? Um, I want to help others have meaningful meals and, and enjoy things at their homes, not just us and our home. Um, and I don't need a knife for every day of the year because we get there pretty quick. Um, and there's other times where I'm just nitpicking over a, a little thing and they're, they're handmade. So if you go buy a, a high-end, you know, Zellweg knife, like a commercial version, a production version of a Bog Kramer, and you put it next to mine, there's going to be differences, right? Mm -hmm. Mine's handmade in a work, in a tiny workshop with my two hands and the skills that I have available. It, you know, it's, it's much, much different. But there's times where this like little imperfection or something that I can see that I'm focused on that I know I could do better uh, bugs me. So I'll actually bring in my quality assurance team of my wife and kids and I'll be like, if it's sharp, hey, it's sharp, handle it carefully. You know, if it's not sharp yet, you know, and then I'll let them look it over and see if they can pick up anything. Nine out of 10 times, they can't find what what is bothering me. And 10 out of 10 times, I still find a way to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the one time I couldn't find a way to fix it, I was just so frustrated with myself, I guess. So I guess nine out of 10, then if we had to go there, 99%. The one time I haven't been able to, to put a fix or, or a repair on it, um, I actually contacted the customer like, hey, you know, I'm willing to knock it down 20 bucks. I can't go any further because, you, know, you know, the business expenses and all these things, it just doesn't make sense even, you know, doing it in our, in our own abode. So, you know, and we, we worked a deal out that way. And even then, you know, I'm pretty sure they were just fine with it the way it was. Nice. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny how this, these the end result of your work, how much that means to you. Like when you, you see something like, I really care. And I, I love seeing creatives, you know, people who either work with their hands or their thoughts and just see them go through that journey of, no, this, this was a journey. Like I made this, you know, for myself. So I, I mm -hmm. think that's super cool. Uh, just the amount of time that you put into it. And I'm sure the people on the other end appreciate it too. I love, and I think that's something that people are going to start paying more attention to the fact that the whole concept of blue collar, you know, this isn't mass produced. Someone made this, you know, and I think that's, that's pretty neat. So at this point, I just want you to, uh, uh, please speak to any, uh, social sites or any information you want the public to know about you, your business links, things like that. Um, so we can share it. Yeah. Well, one quick thing before I do, like when we're talking about the craft and, and, you know, how much this, the passion behind I have this is, is uh, just this last year, it wasn't due to COVID. Um, but during COVID, my grandmother passed away. And she was in Seattle area and in a, you know, assisted living type home with my grandfather. So it was the classic scenario of, yeah, I shouldn't travel. And I had to miss her funeral. So on the day she passed away, where I'm going with this is I submitted for trademark for both my name and my logo, my, my maker's mark that I stamp with every knife. And I submitted without an attorney. I did it all on my own. So high risk, high reward. Yeah. The US patent trade office examining attorney who I worked with was phenomenal. You, you could tell in the correspondence, right? That they were 
and anything and everything they said could be used against them, right? They were very formal, but gave me so many options and really helped me understand what I was doing. Where I'm going with this is if anyone out there is listening to this podcast, you know, they have a, their own moonlight, their own side hustle, like do those little things that are going to help you grow it into something more. Not, not just like for me going out there and working on a knife, like actually working on the business, not just for the business. So a majority of my work, I'll say, you know, 75 to 80% of my work is working for the business where I'm physically producing the knives. And I, I want to do that, uh, whether I sold another one or not. But those little steps I've noticed when I'm working on it, it just pay dividends in the conviction as to why I'm doing it, my passion, and then help even tell the story and help it grow, you know? Yeah. So if people are out there kind of on the fence trying to figure out what to do, I really recommend those little things. I've noticed that they've made huge, huge gains for me. And that's not necessarily why I did it at first, you know? Uh, I appreciate that story. That's awesome. I'm sorry to hear about uh, your loss. And uh, I think that's awesome that you did that. I think that's super cool. And uh, yeah. you're right. You're, you're right. That's the important stuff. We get so caught up in the craft itself or in the business itself, but doing things like branching out, networking, knocking on doors or, you know, doing a little bit of research here and there. That's the stuff that really carries things over, you know, and then balancing it. So no, I thank you for, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of, of course. I just felt like something worth sharing and hopefully, you know, hit someone well. Um, Regarding me and blue collar blades and where we're at and what we're doing right now, Instagram is one of the hottest spots to, you know, track and see what we're doing. So it's just at blue collar blades on Instagram. We do have a website, uh, uh, bluecollarblades.com. Um, through there, you, you can click on a series of things to see, you know, knives in stock, you, you get taken over to our secure, you know, uh, square up site and can order if we have things in stock. There's also a contact page on our website. So you can email me directly um, or my wife, if she's helping out with emails at that time, then um, what else do we have? Oh man, they're Facebook. We're just, I'll be honest, not as active on Facebook as, as we will be in the future. Uh, Instagram has just been so good to us. Um, you know, having a moonlight and a side hustle, it's, it's hard to divide in our time across all social media platforms. So, you know, really Instagram and the website, we did recently start a newsletter and you can sign up through the website on the homepage for that. And just like today, we discounted a Damascus knife, which is very, very rare that I, I discount my work. It's just been sitting on the shelf since October and it's, you know, about $51 off uh, free shipping in the USA. And those who are signed up from the newsletter, boom, first to know. Um, same thing with like, you know, one-off keychain tags that I make with leftover blade steel, you know, and, and other things like that. So people on the newsletter, you're always first to know on big special deals like that. And then Instagram, you know, we love you and keep you, keep you right there with it too. I'm looking at these Damascus knives right now. They're, it just looks crazy. My favorite is the, the outlaw chef knife that you had that, Oh my God, the handle alone. It's crazy. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I made those, uh, Magnus Walker. Have you heard of him? Uh, urban outlaw. Yeah. 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 So I watched the urban outlaw years ago 
And when I was watching it and I saw the gun drilling on the door handles with my automotive background, all the different colors on his outlaw Porsches, I'm like, that needs to make it to a chef's knife. So I, he doesn't have just one Porsche either, right? He's got tons of them. So I was like, I can't just make one. So I made two, uh, took two of his iconic uh, Porsches that he drove during that show, I believe. Um, and worked with a local, uh, not local, he's a US based, uh, handle maker. And I said, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. Here are little photos. Here's some color options. Right. And so he helped me piece the, the material together for the handles. And then everything came to me and I, I, you know, I shipped them or shaped them and stuff and drilled all the holes out and yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And I'm working on, uh, another theme build right now for uh, a famous person. They don't know I'm making this. Um, I'm not going to release the name because I can't believe no one has ever made a theme knife for this person before. Um, so I'm, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm all in. I have the knives off at heat treat right now and I'll, I'll be sure to, to tag you and show you when I'm done. I'm something I'm really excited about. Nice. I'm excited too. I want to see this. This is uh this is, this is pretty cool. I love that. That those handles were insane. <laughs> like, I, really, I really like this. Uh, yeah, this is really creative. Um, again, well, when COVID's not a concern and you're in Utah, man, we got to work it out to, you know, maybe we can do a little, uh, live streaming and I could have you over here and we can, you know, put you through a couple steps of the process or something. If it works out, I'm all in, I, I, I absolutely. Once, once we're all out, I'm outside, we're traveling. So, so I, yeah. I would love that. I would love it. Sweet. We just got, I just got my first vaccination here, uh, you know, a week or two ago, eager to get the second and you know, see how it goes. Same. I'm ready. I, at this point, I don't even care. I, I already got the first, ready to get the second. I just need to get back outside. I got to meet more people. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time, uh, Nate. I know everyone interviewing, uh, you're no exception. Everyone has a lot going on. So I really appreciate any time you could spare for us. Um, oh, heck yeah. And thanks for doing what you're doing, man. You're giving people with you know, moonlighter, you know, moonlighters, entrepreneurs, you know, side hustlers, you're giving us all a place to kind of connect, you know, and, and learn from each other, you know, so someone who's in, in apparel can learn from me, I can learn from them, you know, or, or any other craft, right. There could be someone starting a, you know, lawnmower service company, but yet there's, there's enough in business that overlaps to where we can all learn from each other. So thank you for creating a space and taking your time out to do this. You're a busy person as well. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, uh, anyone who's listening, uh, the Moonlighters Club website, we're going to be building uh, basically every a library of every interview we've done, every episode we had, anyone we talk to, we're going to make sure we have their information, their episode information on our site. We'll be working on that this summer. Um, Moonlighters Club, we're on most major networks, Facebook, Instagram, things that may, uh, anything like that. But as always, please listen to our episodes, review, uh, leave feedback for us. We're happy to take anything you have for us. Uh, but again, Blue Collar Blades, uh, make sure you check that out. It's great page, great site, great business, great owner. Uh, so Nate, again, thank you. We'll have to check in when we get these uh, this this next launch for this next celebrity in. We're in there. Um, and to anyone listening, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.